Thank you. Oh. If that's okay. No, the other side. Doing the whiteboard games. <laughs> the other, other side. <laughs> <laughs> that looks good. Thank you. It also flips, but you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah true. <laughs> that's too easy. It's the Irish in me. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to come around the living, vibrant alive word of God. Thank you for this word that will transform our lives, that actually penetrates to the very soul and heart of us, Lord. It even divides between the joints and the marrow, Father. Lord, we thank you for your word. And I ask, Lord, today that our ears would be open to hear your word and our hearts would be open to receive your word and that, Lord, we would see Jesus unveiled afresh. Lord, touch our lives. I don't want to walk out the way I came in. I want to be in awe of you, Lord. So, Father, I ask that you'd fill us, that you'd anoint me now to bring in the word of God and anoint the ears of the hearers to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, you may be seated. (sighs) I am just so full of joy and excitement today because I've been with Jesus and you can't stay the same when you've been with Jesus. He changes everything, absolutely everything. I want to talk to you today about Jesus, the beginning and the end. Oh, now, are you ready to get deep into the word? Are you ready to have yeah. some fun? Yeah. All right, me too. We're going to start in the book of Hebrews, please. Go turn to Hebrews. Who brought their Bible? Any description? Put your hand up if you brought a Bible. That's awesome. I like you to look it up as well to make sure it really is there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, people say all sorts of stuff, and they go, well, that's in the Bible, you know. And sometimes I've said, Where? And then they try and look and they say, well, someone told me, (laughs) hey, make sure it's in there because people can tell you all sorts of things. All right, Hebrews chapter 12, we're going to start in verse 1 and just read 1 to 2 for now. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance, the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Now, another word there for author and finisher is originator and perfecter. Isn't that amazing? Of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. All right. I'm wondering, and I haven't I haven't asked either of them beforehand about this, but I'm wondering if Rowan and Timmy would help me out with an illustration. <laughs> what do you think, boys? 
You up for something? All right. Now, I'm going to move right forward. Hello, online giggle. You have a close-up. All right. Now, boys, what I need you to do is I need you to have a race. You're going to run around this square and back up here. Okay? So, when I say on your mark, get set, and then when I say go, you're going to take off. Don't hurt right? each other. Yeah. <laughs> on your mark. No grabbing each other. Get set. Go! No. Oh. All right. Oh. It's a tough track, this one. Oh, dear. Oh, coming. And oh. Well done. All right, boys, come up here. Now, who came first? Rowan. You did. Now, is it possible that you came first and last? <laughs> no? Well, here's the weird thing, right? Jesus said, I am the first and the last. Mm. Hey, not a minute. Last time I checked, you can't be both unless you're the only one running the race. <laughs> right? How do you be first and last? Now, tell me something else, boys. When you were going around those corners, what were you focused on? Speed, speed. Okay, what were you looking at? I was keeping my control and getting my feet in the right position to turn better. That's a good idea. So you didn't face plant around the corner, okay? All right. Well, we've been told something really strange in the Bible. We've been told to run looking unto Jesus. Okay? So you were looking where you were putting your feet, weren't you? So you didn't trip over the chairs and stuff? Or were you looking ahead? Where were you looking when you ran? Kind of both directions. Both? I was looking diagonally. You were looking diagonally. Clever. <laughs> All right. We're told to look unto Jesus. Okay? Now, when can you two line up again as if you're, you're about to start a race? And do you know how to get down... On, in that set position? Yeah, all right. You know what they tell us when you're in this position? You've got to look at one thing, and that's the finish line, right? So you're totally focus in. So, boys, if you look up and you can see that door ahead, right? Okay. Can you see what I'm doing? Just, just look at the door as if that's the finish line. Can you see what I'm doing over here? Oh, you turned your head. Just look at the door. Ready? Now, can you see what I'm doing? No. Why not? Yes, I can. You can? I can see in the corner of my eye. All right. Now, can you see what I'm doing? No. Oh, because you're focused in the right direction. What about now? Can you see what I'm doing? Yes. Yeah. Sure. yeah. All right. All right, you, you can hop up. That looks very painful being in that position too. <laughs> Thank you, boys. You champion. Give him a We're supposed to run looking unto Jesus. Now, does that mean we run our race like this? Because I've got to go... Bad things going on in my head, like I trip over stuff that I can see. <laughs> I trip over stuff that's not even there. I mean, looking under Jesus. What, what if Jesus is the finish line? 
What if he is the prize? So we're literally running and we're looking at him. You are my goal. You are my everything. That's what we're supposed to do. He's the author and the finisher. He's the originator. He's the one who started the process in us and he's the perfecter. So before that it said, don't get distracted. Now, if those boys had got distracted running around here, it would have been pretty bad. Not much room for error. But you know, the Bible says narrow is the way that leads to life. There's not, not much room for error. So if we're getting distracted with what's around us, instead of looking unto Jesus, then we will stumble, it says. The, the, the weights and the sin which easily ensnares us. But look unto Jesus and run with endurance, the race set before you. <sighs> Jesus has finished his race. He is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Oh, I'm going to back up the truck a bit more. Okay. He finished his race. Now he's calling us to finish ours. All right. The author and finisher, the start, the end, the beginning and the end. I want to show you something now. Let's go to the book of Revelation, please. Revelation chapter 1. Let me know when you're there. Yeah. You're there? Oh, here's a fast. All right. Revelation chapter 1 starts off like this in verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ. Do you, know, do you want to know what Jesus is like? This book reveals Jesus. I don't know about you, but I'm always curious. What are you like? Well, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It says, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. That is more accurately translated quickly or swiftly. In other words, when this starts to happen, it's going to happen fast. It's going to be quick. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant, John. All right, I'm going to skip to verse 4. John is writing now. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler over the kings of the earth. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So this says that Jesus Christ is the faithful witness. That word witness there is one who has knowledge of a fact and can give information concerning it. What is he the witness of? 
It then says, the firstborn from the dead. Oh, he's a witness of the resurrection. He's a witness of the salvation that he brought in the earth. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Wow. John goes on to say, verse 7 and 8, Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. Now it's in red in my Bible. Verse 8 is a direct quote from Jesus. Jesus is saying these words, I am the Alpha and the Omega. That's Greek. If he was to say this in Hebrew, he'd say, I am the Aleph and the Tav, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty, Hashim, power of all powers. I want to skip down to verse 11. Read again, Jesus saying, I am the Alpha and Omega. I am the Aleph and the Tav, the first and the last. Now let's go over to verse 17. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, but he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. Don't you love it? Jesus is preaching and he has his own amen in there. So good. Just in case we didn't get it, like, I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. He just throws in an amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. Three times in the first chapter, Jesus introduces himself as the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, the first, and the last. Now, I think most of us have got our heads around Jesus being the first, the Aleph, the one who began everything. Remember John 1.1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. A bit further on it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We understand he is the Aleph. He is the start. He is the Alpha. He is the first. There wasn't anything before him. He is the originator of all things. He is the start. But today, because Revelation is the last book of the Bible, it's the book about how everything ends, I want to look at the last part. Now, Jesus is the last. He's the Tav. He's the Omega. Or in our alphabet, we'd say he's the Z. He's the A and he's the Z. Woo! Are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. All right, I'm going to do a little bit of Hebrew drawing up here again today. I want to draw up here the tub. It has a a roof like this. There's this calligraphy. There is a script one, but I like to do the actual real. Okay. And then I'm just making sure I get it right. Yep. And it has this leg down here. Colour again quick. 
And then he has this one, which is your fingers. So, okay, this is the Hebrew, like our Z, the end of the alphabet. This is the end of their alphabet. It's called a Tav, okay? Spelt T-A-V in our English. But this is really fascinating. Wait till we get into this. All right, can you all see that? Let me just bring this down this way. Okay, that's a Tav. All right, let me tell you a little bit about this because Hebrew letters have so much more meaning. Our letters don't mean anything. They just have a sound. But Hebrew letters actually have meaning. So let me tell you about the Tav. Um, it's, they call this part here the roof. This is a leg and this is the face. Now, throughout the Hebrew alphabet, you see some of the letters. Some of them are shaped like doors. The very end has like the completed home. The roof is there, the legs are there. And what we read about at the very end of the Bible is that God comes and dwells with man forever. They tabernacle together. They come under his roof forever. Jesus said, I am the Tav. The Tav is made up of two parts. This part here and this part. This part is actually a Vav, which is another Hebrew letter. Before I tell you any more about this though, I want to show you something absolutely remarkable. So if you would kindly just flip all the way over now to the book of Exodus and uh, we're going to have a look at the very first Passover that God uh, instituted to free the children of Israel from their slavery in Egypt. And so if we actually have a look, um, Exodus chapter 12 Actually, yeah. Okay, so this is the first Passover. He's talking about how they have to select a lamb. So I'm trying to decide how much I want to read. Okay, so um, we'll read verse 3. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, let him and his neighbour next to his house take according to the number of the persons. According to each man's need, you shall make account for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now keep it until the 14th day of the same month, then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lentil of the houses where they eat. 
Then they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in the fire, with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat it raw, nor boiled at all with water, but roasted in fire, with its head, legs and entrails. You shall let none of it remain till morning, it goes on. And then it says, uh, verse 12, For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be on you to destroy when I strike the land of Egypt. So this day shall be to you a memorial, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. Okay? All right. So the blood of the lamb was to be put on the doorpost and on the lentils. That's the, the top. Okay? So... The blood of the Passover lamb had to be put in this kind of shape. The blood on the doors. This was for the first Passover. Now, what happened, it says that they did all that the Lord commanded them. Now, keep going in, in verse 12. So the Lord brings judgment on Egypt, which is a sign of the world, which is what Revelation is about, the Lord bringing judgment on the unrepentant world and turning Israel's eyes back to him. So we see like a repeat happening here. There's a judgment happening on the gods of the world and the people who put their trust in those gods. But there's also a protection and a saving of those who have put themselves under the covering of the blood of the Lamb. Those who have put their trust in the shed blood of the Lamb will be saved from judgment. Very interesting. Now, I want us to go to verse 38, please. And it says this, A mixed multitude went up with them also, and flocks and herds, a great deal of livestock, and they baked unleavened cakes out of the dough which they brought out of Egypt, for it was not leavened because they were driven out of Egypt and could not wait, nor had they prepared provisions for themselves. Now the sojourn of the children of Israel who lived in Egypt was 430 years. I'm just going to write that up here. 430 years. Okay? Interesting, because it makes this point twice. Look at verse 41. And it came to pass at the end of the 430 years, on the very same day, it came to pass that all the armies of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. It is a night of solemn observance to the Lord for bringing them out of the land of Egypt. This is that night of the Lord, a solemn observance for all the children of Israel throughout their generations. Do you know how many hours I spent looking up the law of first mention, looking up, searching, what is the significance of 430? I tried timesing it by nearly every number I could think of that was, you know, like had any kind of meaning. 
I divided it. I, 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 I couldn't get any answers until I remembered the Hebrew letters are also numbers. Anyone want to wager a guess what this tab, what numeric value it is? 400. Go to the top of the class. Jesus said, I am the Aleph and the Tav. So I'm also the Tav, the 400. I'm the end. Well, what happened in the 400 for the children of Israel in the land of Egypt? It was the end of their slavery. But it wasn't just 400. It was 400 and 30. Oh, I've got to tell you what the 30 is. It's the, the letter called Lamed. And it's a little bit tricky to draw, so I'm going to get my, my thing here and see if I can do it justice. All right. Let me get Lamed. It is the tallest letter in the Hebrew, Hebrew alphabet. It stands above all the others. It's like calligraphy. It's hard to do with this sort of a pen. That's my excuse anyway. All right. So it looks like this and it has a crown on the top. And I'll find this good Oh, so this is Lamed. It is the sixth letter. No, sorry. It is the numeric value of 30. It's not the sixth letter. It's the middle letter. And it stands tall above all the others. Uh, how fast can I go? You know how you see them do stuff on TV and they go on high speed? Let's see how they go. <laughs> Woohoo! And that's really bothering me because it's shocking colouring in, but you get the picture. Okay. So, Lamed. Lamed equals 30. Now, let me tell you a little bit about this, because this is absolutely amazing. <sighs> Ancient Hebrew, their letters were made out of pictures, pictographs. The pictograph for Tav, anyone want to guess what it might be? A house? That would be interesting, but no. I've actually already got it there. The cross. That, that is the ancient Hebrew pictograph for Tav. What do you think the pictograph for Lamed is? I'm going to show you. Tell me if you, if you can guess what you think that is. What does that look like? Yeah, a shepherd's staff, right? It's a staff. At the 430, you've got salvation by a shepherd appearing. Isn't this interesting? When, when um, Jesus, well, the scriptures, God is talking to me, he said, I drew you. I carried you on wings like of eagles. I took you out of Egypt. Another one says, the great shepherd of our souls. He's our shepherd. And he appears as salvation 
for the Jewish nation on Passover. Jesus saying, I am the Alpha and Omega. I am the Aleph and the Tav. We have him appearing exactly 430, the numeric value of those two letters. And we have Jesus right there in the midst. He was the one who brought them out. He was the one represented in the Lamb's blood being shed, who would one day give his life for all. Okay, I want to show you something else. If we go back to the Tav. Remember Jesus said, uh, and we see this revelation, he's described as the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Mm. So we have this, he's the lamb slain, so we have the cross, before the foundation of the world, so before anything, it started here. But remember, this is the pictograph for Tark, which is the end. So he's the beginning and the end. We see him at the end. Now here's another thing to remember, all right? This is the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet, the 22nd letter. And it's the cross. The cross is at the end. But we know the cross is at the beginning. He's the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. We also know something else. If we look at the cross, we had sin beforehand, the sin of man. Then we had the cross, which is what? The end of sin. But what else was it? The beginning. The beginning. You're onto it. Beginning of new life. So what was the end became the beginning. You see, the cross is the beginning for all of us. It's our new beginning. His end became our beginning. It's amazing. He is the Alpha and Omega. Any wonder he said it three times. He's trying to get us to understand something. I am the first and the last. Have you ever heard of the expression saving the best to last? Oh, wow. There's more. Are you ready for it? Remember I said this is made up of two parts? The valve here. Guess what number the valve is? The valve is the sixth letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Okay? It's the simplest one to draw. Just make sure I get it correct. What is my valve? Oh, this is good. There he is. Okay, this is the valve. Just little, a little valve. I've put it on an angle over there. That's all right. Okay, so valve is the number six in Hebrew. Okay? Seven. <laughs> Vav is the number six. What is six the number of? Man. Six is the number of man. Look where we have man dwelling in the end. Mm. In. 
in the towel because of the cross. Oh, gets more amazing. Let me tell you about this valve. The valve is considered a connector. The picture graph is that of an ancient fishing hook. The word that the letter vav is used all throughout the description of the tabernacle. It was what joined the curtains together. It was the little loops. It held everything together. You see, right at the beginning, the aleph also has a vav in it, and so does the tav, the end. Because God's plan always included us. He never wanted to be apart from us. He always wanted to be with us. Here's what else is interesting. There are 22 Hebrew letters, okay? And guess how many chapters are in the book of Revelation? 22. 22. Remember, he's the end. He's the beginning and he's the end. There are exactly 22 chapters in the book of Revelation telling us about the end for man. The end for man, the valve is hidden in the tav. They even rhyme, don't they? <laughs> I just find it incredible that no matter where you look, we find the cross popping up. The 430 years, there was God saying, I am, I am the Tav, I am salvation, I am the one who will wrap all this up. Then we come uh, along a bit further, and as we progress, we see him popping up all through the scriptures. And then right at the end, Revelation, he reveals himself not just as the beginning, now he reveals himself as the end, the Tav, the finisher of our faith. Okay, I want to just skip back to Revelation for a moment. Still with me? Mm -hmm. Cool. All right. I want to take a look. At Revelation um, chapter 5. So if you go there with me. We're going to start in verse 1. John says, And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? Now, this is not any ordinary scroll. I heard um, one scholar say this, and it has really resonated with me. He was explaining um, ancient times uh, when they would have indictments. The indictments would be written inside and out and rolled up and sealed. And it was only when you went to court that those seals were undone and the indictments were read of everything that you were charged with. 
So this is a very important matter. This scroll has on it every atrocity that has occurred on earth that needs justice. It's very important. The problem is not just anyone can bring justice. Not just anyone can judge the world for its iniquities and its sins and its wickedness. So the angel cries out, who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And verse 3 is one of the saddest verses in the Bible. And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. No one was able to because every single one had fallen short. John says in verse 4, So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. Ah, this is where you're so grateful. It's like day three when Jesus comes out of the tomb. Thank God for verse 5. <laughs> And verse 6, but one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as though it had been slain having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand, hand of him who sat on the throne. Verse 5, the elder says to John, Don't weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah. But verse 6, I looked and behold, not a lion. What did he see? A lamb, a lamb as though it had been slain. <sighs> I have a problem with this verse. <laughs> and I said this to Jesus. I said, this isn't fair. You've already been to the cross. You've already been slain. Now you get to be glorified. But... In this moment, he chooses to reveal himself as a lamb slain. I don't like the sight of blood, so that's not a pretty sight. Do you know what I believe this judgment is occurring because? Not just that a holy God must judge sin, because a holy God did judge sin in the body of his own son on the cross. What this is, is for all those who rejected the Lamb of God. Those who rejected the only one worthy, the only one able to cleanse us of all our sins. And so what unfolds as he opens the seals is what we know as the tribulation or the great tribulation or the wrath of the Lamb. Wow. 
even at the end, he's still shown as the lamb. The cross appears again and again. Whenever we look through the scriptures, there he is. The cross appears again and again. If I can just take us back and I'm going to finish here. Revelation 1, verse 5. From Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. I pray today that you join the ranks of those who've been washed in the blood of the Lamb who've allowed this wonderful saviour to get his shepherd's staff and to find you as a lost sheep and to bring you into his fold, to save you and redeem you, to wash you, to love you. He's the firstborn from the dead. What does that mean? Our resurrection day is coming. We will one day be raised to be like him and we will be where he is dwelling in his house under his roof forever. That is the end. But the end is also the beginning. Because do you know how Revelation ends? With a new heaven and a new earth. So the end is really the The beginning. beginning. (laughs) Again, it's a whole new start. Amazing. Jesus revealing himself as the Alpha and Omega. And just to prove it, Revelation 22, the final chapter of the Bible. In verse 13, he says it one more time. Actually, let's read from verse 12. And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha. And Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are those who do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. Wow. Verse 20. And he who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning? I want to give you the opportunity, if you haven't stood at the foot of the cross, if you haven't encountered this Jesus, if you haven't had him revealed, then today is your day because he is amazing. He's the one who loved us and washed us in his own blood, the Passover lamb, the only one worthy to bring the final judgment because he alone has the full picture. He alone can judge with equity and righteousness. But if you receive him, the scripture says, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God 
even to those who believe on his name. You can either find yourself at the end in the house of God with a God who loves you more than you can ever fathom, clean, washed, purified, holy, before an amazing God. Or you can find yourself out of the door. Because Jesus said, I am the door. I am the only way. So if you just bow your heads with me today, those watching online, those in this room, if you would like to receive Jesus, I just want you to lift your hand and acknowledge, Jesus, I want to be washed clean. I want to follow you. I want in. I want to be where you are. Cleanse me today. That's you. Just lift your hand. Let me see it. Thank you. Thank you. I can see those hands. Those watching online, feel free to acknowledge in your own home. I just want to pray with you. This isn't a magic prayer. It's not a prayer that saves you. It's what you mean in your heart. So why don't you, if you're willing, to say these words after me, Heavenly Father, today I admit I'm a sinner. I need a Saviour. Wash me in the blood of Jesus. Cleanse me from my sin. Forgive me. Make me your child. I believe that Jesus is Lord. That he rose from the dead. And that he is my Saviour. Take me now, Jesus. I am yours. In your name. Amen. That's just how simple it is. Believe. Trust in him alone. Because only he's worthy. Let me just pray for the rest of you today too. Father, we stand in awe of our great God. You are the beginning. You breathed life into us at the very start. You fashioned us in our mother's wombs. You called us by name. You created us to be part of your purpose. You began it all for us, Lord. But Lord, you're also the end. You're the top. You're the last. And we thank you that you are the author and the perfecter of our faith. And we want to run our race looking at you, beholding you, standing in awe of the only one worthy to receive all dominion and might and power forever. Lord, I pray you bless your people this week. Let your presence be with them so real that they know that they know they belong to you and you are with them. Lord, I pray that you'd make a way where there is no way, where people need a pathway. Lord, I pray that you would open the right doors and shut the wrong ones, Father. Lord, I pray that they would have direction, that they would have your guidance, that they would be filled with the Holy Spirit, that, Father, they would spill out the life of God everywhere they go. Lord, let them be living, breathing ambassadors of the cross of Christ. I ask in the name of Jesus. Amen.